Hey everyone, welcome back to Level Zero Literacy. As always, I am Mason, and I am so happy you have joined us this week for I Was a Teenage Exocolonist, a delightful little visual novel that we have all played and we are excited to bring to you. As always, we're going to spoil the game from beginning to end, and we're going to discuss topics that include, but are not limited to, childhood trauma, death, and dismemberment. Please use your best judgment before proceeding, and enjoy. Hello everyone, and welcome back to Level Zero Literacy, the internet's premier video game book club podcast. Today we're talking about the 2022 nominee for Games for Impact, I Was a Teenage Exocolonist. Joining me as always is Mason. Hello. And Buck. I've lived so many lives. <laughs> Exocolonist is a mix visual novel and deck builder game and was developed by Northwest Games. You play as Sol, a teenager growing up on the alien planet of Vertumna 4. You must navigate the perils of living on an alien planet while also surviving with your own interpersonal relationships with the rest of the teens and adults in the colony. How will your decisions impact the survival of the people you love and live with? Let's find out. Gentlemen, how do we enjoy Exocolonist? This is a pretty good game. I wish I could have gotten like five more playthroughs. In. Yeah, <laughs> definitely a definitely a multi playthrough to kind of get all of the all of the essence of the game type of thing. Yeah, but the even two playthroughs, which is what I played, and I think what you played, Buck, right? I got a lot. I got a lot out of this game, which is surprising because at the outset I thought that I was not. You know, within the first five hours, I was like, I'm not really going to like this game. But it, I was pleasantly surprised by the end. Yeah. Uh, to give the listeners some context, uh, I've played this game for 23 hours and beaten the game twice, seen three endings, and, like, there's still a lot more that I don't know and want to do and never will be able to because we make this podcast. Yeah. There's, <laughs> a, there's a lot... There's a lot of endings. There's a lot of stuff that requires you to do very specific things. And so, you know, one of the weaknesses I think there is with this game is there is a point where it's kind of like you are compelled to look up a guide to do the specific thing you want to do. Absolutely. Because, like, you can do so much stuff that feels good to do. Like, in my second playthrough, I had six stats maxed out by the time I was 17. God almighty. And, like, that doesn't do anything like i achieved all those high stats and stuff but like i can't really use them for anything yeah it depends on what you're what you're trying to do it's interesting because a lot of the stats realistically like most of the stuff that matters is the stuff you do outside the walls stat wise when you go exploring Really, the only stats you need if you're staying inside of the colony for most of your playthrough are the intellect stats, because that's what's going to give you access to the science stuff that you need to do to get the special endings. So this game essentially has 20-something endings. Yeah, 29 endings, but about two-thirds of those endings are just you get a different job. So, you know, you play from the character's cell's age, 10 to 19, 
and then the game ends at the end of year 19. And if you basically just play through the game normally and don't do anything specific, at the end of the game you were assigned a job pretty much whatever you spent the majority of your time doing or if you like overthrew Lum as governor, then you get the governor job or whatever. So there's... We're not going to spend a lot of time talking about those endings specifically, but we'll we'll touch on some of the big special endings that I think really capture the core essence of this game. But before we get to that, I want to kind of talk about the world building because I feel like that is far and away the best aspect of this game. And it's nice because I I really enjoy how the developers worked to make something that was a progressively minded piece of work without it feeling really stilted. It felt grounded in the world that it was in, you know? Is this our first sort of futuristic spacefaring type of sci-fi game that we've covered? We've done sci-fi, but is this the first, like, this genre? I think so. I believe so, yeah. So this is, like, it baked into this kind of genre, the, you know, far future uh, planet exploring type of stuff is this critique of the time that the author is in. Yeah. Uh, and this is the first time we've really been able to explore a game with writing like that. And yeah. it was really nice. It and was I, really nice. And I love, and just like Disco Elysium, there are critiques of the methods of the pro- like progressive tendencies of this game like it does it doesn't just kind of let loose and just be like oh look how happy and good everything is there are like issues within this society that people have to address and have to sort of come to terms with as a result of being a part of society there and i really i always appreciate when writers and creators can be critical of their own ideal societies yeah shows a lot of maturity and i mean it helps that it helped in this game that the setting was a space colony you know like the first space colony kind of fighting for survival i what i appreciated the most about sort of the exploration of a far future sort of far progressed past our own sort of mindset and and social tendencies type of world was they explored some things that I didn't expect that I found that were pleasantly like written very well the one thing I'm thinking of specifically is in my second playthrough uh while I was cooking they two of the characters had a debate about eating meat. Yeah. But but in this society, no one has ever eaten meat before. They subsist like almost entirely on soy, on soybeans. So like they had the eating meat debate, but from like the opposite of how it is normally framed in how in like real life, right? Yeah. Where eating meat is like normal. The this character who's trying to get people to eat meat is like, well, you know, back on Earth, lots of people did this. Nutritionally, it's very good for you, and we don't have a lot of food right now. Which but characters it, we're talking about? This Tammy. It's Tammy and uh, antecedent. Okay. So the 
the soldiers land in the late part of the year and start hunting, which is, you know, not ever done before. And she brings like a, I forget what it, like a mantis or something. She's like, we need to cook the meat. And Tammy's like, what the fuck? I'm not eating flesh. That's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, antecedents like we don't have any food. <laughs> like <laughs> you can definitely do it. Humans have been eating meat forever. You gotta. Yeah. Uh, I see. I, 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 I saw a different eating meat debate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you probably saw one with cow, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, so in my second playthrough, I spent a lot of time with anemone and cow. And um, one time when we were tending the animals, it was time for uh, uh, the, the bush slug, one of the bush slugs to be slaughtered. Yeah. <laughs> and um, anemone was like, mm, delicious bush slug. Yum, and, yum, yum. And cow was like, let's not do this. Let's not eat this. And then what what ended up happening, I was like, eh, let's just let the little guy go. And so Cal and Anemone were just arguing. Anemone's argument was like, we're omnivores. We we should eat the meat. Blah, we, have, blah, blah. we have teeth built for yeah. <laughs> eating flesh. Uh, and uh, because they were so engrossed in their argument, I was able to just sneak away with the animal and let him go. <laughs> you just be free, bristle slug. Just like I really slooped away. I, I really love all the creature designs in this game. They're they're so they're like just alien enough for you to believe that they're it's an alien planet, but they're also like endearing enough to make you care. Yeah. I like that they didn't just make everything like mammals that could conceivably exist on Earth. Right. Yeah. There's some animals that's like, oh yeah, this is like if this was on Earth, we would think it's a plant. Or like, yeah, this is like if this is on Earth, we would think it's a mushroom. And you could like learn a lot about the local flora if you take a bunch of uh, natural science classes and eventually they'll be like oh yeah in this on this planet fungus and plants and animals didn't evolve very far away from each other yeah yeah so that's why all these things kind of overlap you have these things that are like they're called mantises they're called mantises they're big they're they look kind of like big praying mantises but they've got like uh You're talking about the manticores or manticores sorry yeah. they look like big praying mantises and they have like foliage growing all over them and you have bristle slugs which have literally they're like half bush yeah it's really cool i really like the i just i, I can appreciate the designs of all the creatures because I, I can tell they actually put all this like thought and effort into the design and making sure everything was just like they they tuned the knobs like just right for me because when you get your first Vreeky as a pet, you're like, oh, yes, yeah. Vreeky. I, I, I named mine. So they, they have, I, I, I assume the name list is like set and I named mine Ricky Tiki because it's a reference to Ricky Tiki Taffy, I yeah. guess. Yeah. <laughs> I named mine Vree Larson. <laughs> I kept good. naming mine after celebrities. <laughs> I, had a, I had a pony. I had like a weird alien looking unicorn at one point. It was following me around. I was like, there's no way the adults are cool with this. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into the I, the meat and potatoes of this game, which is the characters, I feel. you know. If, so really there's two sides to this game. If you stay inside of the colony for the majority of the game, it is a very character-driven, 
you know, text heavy, figure out what's going on with the relationships between people and like solve the issues of the colony type game. Yeah. But when you go outside of the colony, it becomes very much about the world building, the explorative, the exploration, figuring out what this alien planet's all about. Which is very hard to do because in two playthroughs, I still don't really know, right? Like, there's so much exploring to do. There's a lot, yeah. And it's like, you can also pick different ways of exploring and different ways of interacting with the things that you see outside. And based on what you do with that, you learn different things. Yeah. I'm going to say something I think might be the controversial take of the episode. I think the character work is very middling, very just okay. For about half the characters, I agree. I think it's, yeah, I think it depends on the characters because I think. I think if it, if half the characters are middling, yeah, then your character middling. work is middling. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, 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 I mean, like you can name a couple of characters who are very well written and have a lot of interesting things about them in development, but like you know, then the writers decided to make a bunch of middling characters. Yeah. I think the exploration. I had a lot more fun on my first playthrough when I went outside the colony constantly. I did a bunch of stuff with the alien world, and I was like, oh. I think these people were much more inspired and they were doing a lot more creative and cool things when they were shaping this alien world. Yeah. And when the I was, secret endings also um, revolve around... A lo- most <sighs> of the secret endings revolve around exploration yeah. of the planet. And my my complaints with the characters is like, they kind of... And this is going to sound crazy for a sci- sci-fi game, but like they really disrupted my suspension of disbelief a lot when they would be like oh yeah we make genetically modified children we're going to an alien planet what would be the single worst thing you could give a child going to an alien planet oh let's make them not feel any fear well you're okay you're dooming that child to die if you're like fear is like super useful and then there's like another child and it's like um oh yeah we programmed our child to not feel any shame it's like okay shame is oh, also is that mars that's yeah, mars. mars yeah okay. mars, like, yeah, that's mars the, shame is like pretty useful socially <laughs> to get you to not act like an asshole and it's like well i get like you know well, i mean i i don't think the writers wanted you to perceive the genetically modifying children thing is just a cool positive part of their society right yeah i think the the there's to me, there's a lot of parts of that that are, this is something that we do to try to make things better. To try to make like ultra extreme humans. Yeah. Right? it's it, But it wasn't like a, I wasn't viewing it as a, as a, in the frame of mind of, oh, the, the people didn't make society better. I was viewing the frame of mind of like, this kind of breaks just like the first base level of thinking of like, what would people realistically do? Yeah. Like why, why on earth would you make a child that can't feel fear? That's the thing with, with, how do we want to pronounce this? I just say this. That's That's the thing with this, right? Like making a child without fear is actually a very stupid thing to do. If you're trying to get people to like cooperate. This has, yes. If Dis is not scared, he has no fear of the repercussions of his actions, right? Like, (laughs) but I mean, I, uh, I'm gonna, I, 
I think Dis is one of the not middling characters, though. I think both Tangent and Dis are super interesting. The tangents, Tangent's, I think, the the high point of the characters in the game, but it's it's partially because she plays such a big part in how you can manipulate the world. Yeah. I think the best characters are Marzipan and either Lum or Anemone. Lum's Lum, great. Lum is interesting. Uh, can I Just ask from a, why his perspective? Why Anemone? Because like I tried to get into Anemone and she tells a very a very interesting and a very human story to me of someone who is experiences like the loss of someone who they're very close to who undergoes like a very traumatic thing and then this sort of new ideology this new idea that acts as an outlet for those emotions for that pent-up sort of aggression and trauma and sadness comes along and she falls headfirst into it and she kind of changes a lot you see her you see her kind of shift her ideals you see her convictions change a lot you see her fall in with people who are like very unethical people as a way to as like a misguided way can you save her brother no no okay can never happen yeah that is i tried really hard yeah of all the deaths in this game nimi's brother calm is literally the only one that is not preventable that is the only one you cannot because so like in my second playthrough uh, in my second playthrough i romanced an enemy yeah she's the person i maxed out in my second playthrough mainly because i wanted to get her away from fucking vase we'll talk about Uh, (laughs) (laughs) when i did it it was a very combat exploration focused playthrough and like i stomped the faceless and then her brother calm, still died. Yeah, calm, calm still and, does. And like, and it says, it says in that, like, even though this was only my second playthrough, it does say when you beat the faceless, it like, it literally doesn't matter what you do, you can't save him. Like the yeah. game says that. Well, if and you go into the advisory warnings, the spoiler warning or the advisory yeah. warnings of the game, uh-huh. it it says in there like you can't. That's ah. that's the one you can't stop, and it's because Com's death is just so important to right. Nemi's Anemone's. story arc. Yeah. Now, could they have written two different arcs for her if because he lived or died? Yes, they could have, but that wasn't what here's, they wanted to do. They with didn't want to Here's what I wanted out of Anemone: is I wanted <laughs> to save her brother, and then like use her. To revolution against the lum, yeah, that'd be cool. That's it what would. I wanted to do. Well, that's already, what I hoped for, and they already had Marzipan, yeah. who was doing that exact storyline. Well, I guess, I guess that's one of my disappointments. With like, there's a lot of choice in the game, but they have something specific in mind for how you make those choices to get certain things to happen. Yeah, because I thought that like if I was very popular and successful like in combat against Vase and like a big part of the defense of the colony that I would be able to do like a more military style coup, right? But you you can't do that. Yeah. That's not really a thing you can do. So let's let let's talk about let's I think we can really lay out the 
disparate levels of character work in this game by comparing two characters, which is Mars and Vase. Yeah, yeah, they for are sure. they are two sides of the same coin, where they are both unlikable. They are meant they are written to be unlikable people, for the most part. You know, they are written to be stubborn, pig like kind of pig headed types of people. And usually the thing is when you encounter those types of characters in games, there is a level of, oh, this person is an asshole, but once I get to know them better, I'm going to understand the things that make them the way they are. And you get that with Mars. I think, you know, it's it's a mix of her augment, which is that she feels no shame, but also, like, if you look at her upbringing with her dads, her dads spoil the crap out of her, you know? She's very used to getting her own way with the other kids in the colony. There are reasons behind her upbringing and there are reasons into her future why she is the way she is. But when you interact with Vase, you never really get much of that feeling ever. And it's so... And the more you interact with them, the less you want to interact with them because you never it you never really get those glimpses into his more humane side. Yeah, it, it truly feels like he is, you know, just he's drunk the Kool Aid, and like he is the epitome of a colonizer to yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, and I would say that it would be. You know, like my first instinct is to say, oh, that's because he's part of this second group of people that comes in halfway through the game. You have less time. But the other characters that arrive on Lum's ship, the uh, Rex, I like spend a lot of time with. I found very pleasant, very well written. What's the, the gamer girl? Nomi Nomi. Nomi Nomi. Nomi Nomi. I, I uh, talked. They're non-binary. Nomi Nomi are non-binary. Yeah. Nomi Nomi. I talked a lot with them and they were like. They were very interesting. Very, cool. They had a lot of very cool dialogue. Chill. They have a lot of wild cards they add into your oh, deck. Yeah. <laughs> they do. It's very weird. <laughs> they do a lot of like artistic projects, and it, they're not very successful usually. But you know, it's, but Vase has like no <laughs> redeeming qualities. It's very frustrating to interact with him, and he just like constantly criticizes you, acts like a huge shithead. I mean, like even Mars, like Marzipan, when Marzipan is like criticizing you and being mean, there's like things you can do to kind of get to the core of Marzipan to like find the humanity. When Marzipan is like bullying people, you stand up to Marzipan, and then she'll be like, "Oh yeah, uh, thank you for doing that. I was just trying to like let these people grow some backbone. We're on a hostile planet." Vase is like an asshole to you. If you're an asshole back, he just like gets really upset and like leaves or like calls you a shithead. It's like well, this is. God, he also I hate you. Did you go hunting with Vase? I did. I explored everything on the yeah. first playthrough, including the it's the swamp, right? The swamp where you, yeah. where you go yeah. hunting. I like he just wants to fucking kill everything, yeah, he just, and he's sadistic. Yes. He now I I there is a part of me that wonders if Vase is the only other person in the colony that's aware of what's going on. Oh. So there is, did we already talk, uh, did we already talk about the, no, we, okay. the ending? So if you pursue, if you join the secret fun times club and you pursue overthrowing Lum as governor, you eventually find out that there is a fleet of 
humans that are going to be arriving onto Vertumna. And if they find that you and the uh, the your the stratospheric and the other ship have not successfully like tamed the planet in time, they're going to scorched earth the whole thing before the humans land. Now, I don't know if I believe Lum when he says that. There's never really like. actual evidence yeah and in the ending it just says they show up and that's a story for another time so it doesn't like tell you that was like that was like a thing on my second playthrough i was like i haven't done any secret fun times club are these guys is this going to be like a big third act like big dramatic client it's just like oh no yeah you're like a farmer now and they show up and now what but so there's a part of me that wonders if vase as sort of the hero child soldier of that ship is kind of gets fed some extra inside info from Lum and that's why Vase is so so yeah I don't I don't want to make excuses for Vase but it they're part they're like fragments of the story where it's like Lum and Vase's relationship is in such a way that I could see that being a possibility but it's never something that they explore I think that's some there are definitely some missed opportunities in this game, and that is what I think is one of the biggest weaknesses, is just there are dialogue things that could have happened and I think would have really just finished putting all the pieces together. Uh, and I don't know if it's they just wanted to focus on other aspects of the game or they just ran out of developer time yeah, or was, what. I can guarantee you they ran out of time, right? Like, it has to be they ran out of time, because, I mean, they're in, this is an indie game, right? Yeah. Like, I am impressed at how much an indie studio was able to do, like, at all with this game. Because this yeah. game feels like a huge risk, right? Yeah. Because, like, this game is. is very specifically for a certain set of people, and, like, I don't think that set of people is very large. It's, we- it's weird. It's, you know, the... Per- it's very progressive. Yeah, it's very progressive, it's, and that would turn people. That would turn gamers off. Yeah, it's like a, <laughs> it's a deck builder, which isn't necessarily always the most popular type of game. If it doesn't. It if, also, if it's a, not a roguelike. It's a know. genre that doesn't mash well with visual novels normally. Yeah. So they're doing a lot of risky things. I don't want to spend the whole time harping on the writing. Um, I think most of the writings. I I think the writing is very good. So the planet, the, I, the not all the character work is good, but the writing itself the writing is, is good. Very good. Exploring outside the colony was genuinely super interesting, and I found really cool. I could tell they put their whole backs into writing out the flora and fauna, the alien colony. Like, there's a lot of like mystery and things like really make sense, and but they're like laid out in such a way to where there's like this mystique to it and this danger to it um, that really like mirrors the planet very well and it makes you curious and then this like this alien guy shows up and he is this like strange dude who can like fly and teleport and you know exploring the planet is very very cool very cool why don't we talk about moments yeah, let's get into one moment. I would love to. I would love to do my moment. Oh, Mason, why don't you go first then? Fuck. Okay, my one moment. Uh, about three hours into this game, 
I was really considering asking people to drop it because and I text the group chat and I was like, this is a children's game. This is a game for kids. Yeah, I was sitting with this you in, not, in Discord. This is like, not going to be mentally challenging at all. Because, you know, you start the game in universe as a 10-year-old. You play 10 to 19. And it's like, oh, pick your favorite toy. Oh, mommy's coming. Do you want to uh, give her a hug or give daddy a hug? And I was like, Sam, why the hell are we playing this? This is stupid. This is going to be about like how friendship is nice or something. It's not going to be challenging. It's going to be stupid. Did you not read the trigger warning? He did not. I his did ass not, did not <laughs> read the trigger warning. His ass did not, I did not read, read the trigger, the trigger warnings. warnings. My moment was two hours later. I was in the colony. I was like 12 years old. I think you're 11. Or 11. And it's one of the very first you, things that happened. One of the things. So like one day, you, all the kids gather around the the kind of midwife and babysitter of the entire colony antecedent and she's giving out cotton candy and you're all having you're all having fun and playing together and then an adult rushes in is like everyone come quick and you run to the crash you run to the crash and you see tammy tammy's dead body having been her neck broken and electrocuted to death (laughs) i was like what what happened? And then over the next two hours of the of playing, I proceeded to uh, have uh, Tammy's father get wheeled in with his neck ripped out. Tammy's dad wheeled into the colony with his neck ripped out by a manticore, and then the mayor killed by a bunch of animals. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I get it. <laughs> like, very, wait, wait a minute. This game's very brutal. <laughs> it's like there's a lot of yeah. death. You're, you know, like over the course of my first playthrough, my father died of an alien disease. My mother literally worked herself to death. Uh, you know, all these there's just like you're surrounded by all this death and suffering. And that kiddish sort of atmosphere never really leaves, which kind of adds to the horror and creepiness of it all. <laughs> Makes a lot of things hit like a lot worse. Yeah. Um, it, because like. You know, there's still, you know, you're like 15 and some people are like, oh, you're just a kid. Like, you don't, you know, you like, and like your character processes things like a 15 year old would. And, you know, you're trying to deal with flirting, you know, having your first girlfriend and navigating high school and understanding like what you want to do when you grow up. And like, literally it's like, oh yeah, your science teacher got decapitated. (laughs) It's like, oh my God. Yeah. There's there's a whole lot that happens in this game. And so, like, when Mason was sending these messages about the the child game, I'm like, Mason, you just haven't played visual novels, have you? No, and you I did. You I did don't, say I don't that. Play them a Be- because, like, the, uh, uh, these kind of traumatic events are what a lot of, like, visual novels explore. Is, like, you're playing and everything seems cool, and then, like, there's just a disaster. And then everything goes horribly, horribly yeah. wrong. I'll talk about my moment now. Go for it. My moment came in my second playthrough. My first playthrough was very science-focused. I romanced Tangent. Spent a lot of time with Tangent. And Tangent's brother is Dis. I ended up not liking Dis a lot in the first playthrough. And it was really annoying. Like, it seemed like he put Tangent through a lot. Even though Tangent's, like, not the most interesting like well not interesting she's not the most like loving sister right she's not a very agreeable person she 
Neither and, of them are, really. And, and like, you know, her issue is, is like, she's a very passionate scientist. And I, I really like Tangent. I highly recommend going through Tangent's arc in one playthrough if you play this game. Because uh, it's awesome. She's one of the best characters to me. Yeah. Um, and in my second playthrough, since I was going out a lot, um, I managed, like, I hung out with Dis quite a bit. And in one of the conversations with Dis, you find out Tangent is trans. Yeah. And you literally don't find that out the entire time when you're, like, romancing Tangent and hanging out with Tangent. Because why would it? Yeah. It wouldn't matter, right? And <laughs> so, like, you know, Dis... It, it was interesting to get to see Dis's side of the story because one of Dis's things is, like... You know, th- these people told me, like, I should I shouldn't be sad about losing my brother. Yeah, and it- <laughs> and that's that's really that's a really great thing because that's a big that's a big thing we're having right now where people there's this whole thing where people are more. I've like read stories of where you know married couples one of them realizes that they're transgender and starts going through the transition and the person's like is it okay for me to mourn the loss of my husband even though i still love my wife like is that an acceptable thing to do that's just like it's a really interesting moral quandary i think the answer is yes it's perfectly acceptable for somebody to do that as long as you are being a reasonable person about it but I, I, you're you're right. That's like a I, that's like a very human approach to that situation. Because like it it should be something that's celebrated and that they're finding what they're comfortable being, yeah. how they're comfortable living. Yeah. And, and like a part change part is of, hard. Yeah, and, and like part of Dis's point there is like, uh, you know, I've I never really cared. I always I kind of always knew. Uh, right, but like, but then this is like, but like, Tangent's kind of not a good person, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, and it, uh, you know, and that moment like felt pretty good to me because it made it feel more worth it to do like a second playthrough, which a game like this needs to do, yeah. Right? One, like, one of the legitimately, <laughs> one of the legitimately good things they do with character work in this game is you add a lot of texture to the characters by getting to know the people around them. You can never learn like the full story of a character by only talking to them. Just talk talking to the one character. For Anemone, you you know you learn more by doing guard duty and playing sports ball and talking with Vase. And for Dis and Tangent, it's the you know you talk with one another. For Cal, you learn a lot by going farming, going talk, talking to Tammy. Yeah, talking with Tammy and then talking with your parents. It's you know like everyone like adds perspective to all these other characters. Cause you get these like little slices of people and that slice is supposed to represent a month, but you know that, you know, that is legitimately like a good, I know I spent like 20 minutes harping on the character writing, but in that, in that regard, they did uh, very good. So my one moment involves tangent as well. So, as you're sort of playing through the game and you're developing out your scientific interests, 
eventually you have this little scene where Tangent's like, yeah, I'm tinkering with human DNA to like bring about the next step of human evolution and like improve the lives of everybody. And you're like, huh, this sounds a lot like eugenics tangents. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we shouldn't be doing this. And it's like the, it's, it's a tiny, it's like a, in the grand scope of the game, it's a very small scene. Right. But it really hit for me because as I was sort of alluding to earlier, I really respect this game calling out aspects of its own society. And like, these are things that could be issues if we don't address them properly when we get to this point. Cause you know, hum- everyone in this society, all the children in this society have some kind of augments that enhances their abilities in some kind of way. You know, you as the player get to even pick your own augments. You can be like strong. You can have extra fingers. You can have super good eyesight. You know, the other kids like Nimi can grow scales whenever she gets injured. It's just replaced by like a patch of scales. So there's really cool. That's a really cool concept. But obviously the next logical to someone who is more logic brained, the next logical step would be oh, what if we can if we can evolve humans in this way? What if we keep tinkering and make other things better, right? Quote, unquote, better. That's a subjective term, obviously. Yeah. So I just, to me, that's when I got, oh, these people understand. And it was a similar thing with Disco Elysium. Oh, these people understand that just because these things in society have been addressed or like this is our sort of ideology and our ideal outlook on the world there's still going to be these overlying issues that we need to address and there are even like instances where they talk about you know we do communal upbringing of all the children in the colony it's all the children get raised to the crash and it's like well that comes with its own issues like versus just like parent like regular parenting and right <laughs> there's also like you know the the thought out thing of People don't really have their own genetic children. Yeah, in the colony. Yeah, all everything oh, is. I never got this. Best, basically, everything is done in vitro fertilization, and all the children are meant to be like amalgamations of the DNAs of multiple different people. And part of it is that there's not enough back, people. So back on Earth. Yeah, so part of it's there's not enough people, so you oh, need, the they need the gene pool yeah, wide they, enough. So what they did is, I don't know if either of you know about this yet. Back on Earth, the stratospheric was basically built by. This is Earth, like in the not too far distant future. You know, climate change has like ravaged the Earth. There's Kinda been like, like post Norco. Yeah, it's, there's been <laughs> yeah. like there's been lots of like war over resources and stuff. And the stratosphere came about because there was this small kind of like communist society of people uh, that got, that were being attacked by a more like national government system. And so what they did is they built a spaceship to, by looting, they like looted all of these places to like put a spaceship together. I thought, I thought the Stratosphere was built by a giant company and then they stole it from the giant company. Sort of, yeah. That's like sort of it. So, but the thing is, not all the people that were living in that commune 
could get could leave on the ship. Right. So what they did is they got genetic materials from all those people, and the idea is that their children, the children that are going to be born in the future, on the ship and into the future, are going to carry on the leg the genetic legacy of the people that were left behind on Earth. The sacrifice that those people made to allow these people to get a second chance at life. And it's really, it's really poetic. And I really like how they do it. By the way, Mason, the way I found that out is hanging out with Cal. One of the, the, one of the dialogue choices is like, are you disappointed? It's not yours. Yeah. And that's how you find out. Uh, yeah. When Tammy, when Tammy and Cal are having their I first kid. I didn't say that. Cause I was like, Oh, I would be a monster. <laughs> It's so fucked up to say. And, and well, I mean, what Cal says is, who knows, we weren't exactly being careful when she had her birth control turned off. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, like, you know, and you wouldn't know that. You wouldn't know that it is normal for the child to not be theirs, theirs if you yeah. didn't yeah. know. That's just, that. <laughs> but that's just how their society is. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. It's me, Santa Claus, here to tell all Level Zero Literacy listeners that I have run out of presents for Mason, Buck, and Sam, and the only way they're going to experience any Christmas cheer is if you open your wallets and give them tons and tons of money. Or, if you do not want to do that, uh, boost all of their social media feeds. Anyway, this has been me, Santa Claus. Let's return to the episode. Ho, 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 Christmas. It's so weird. The first playthrough, I was just like saying whatever the fuck to people. And I was doing things because I was like, oh, this would be cool. You know, I was just like throwing caution to the wind. And like my playthrough was much more exciting. My teenager turned out to be way cooler (laughs) and way more... Just like a lived a way more exciting life, and then in playthrough two, I was like, I'm gonna be more measured. I'm gonna keep these like relationships really like on the level. I'm not gonna alienate anyone. And then I like lived like an average life, and everything was just like I failed a lot. At things. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I liked playthrough one a lot better. And you know, part of one of the things I missed on playthrough two is I spent a lot of time with Tammy and Cal, and I missed out on on learning what that was like. And Sam was like, oh, yeah, you're going to learn about the colony's birthing system on this playthrough. And I just didn't. I was like, I must not have spent enough time babysitting or something. Didn't spend, didn't pick the right dialogue options, didn't talk to the right people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and like that, that, that is a I positive don't and a negative. Yeah. It's, it's not obvious how to get the most interesting things in the game which i mean that's realistic yeah that's cool i I don't mind that i i would actually not prefer it if there was a very clear-cut dialogue choice that was like that this is where the juice is because then you just never choose the other ones this one gives you like the the way it's written gives you like motivation to choose what you might realistically want to say given your your teenager your soul for that playthrough Let's talk about the endings. Let's talk about the special endings a little bit. So there's one there's one special ending that I know you're both 
aware of. Yep. It is the ending I got on my first playthrough. Mason got it on his first playthrough. And Buck probably should have gotten it, but just might have made so some small I, mistakes somewhere. Well, it, so let me explain what happened. I went out when it was supposed to happen. Uh, because I had max all stats, I just went to the ridge and the faceless wasn't there. Because you have to interact with the blue things yeah. to get the faceless to show up. So I ended up getting a normal ending on that playthrough. And then when I re- I just reloaded my save from going out during glow and interacted with the blue things to get the faceless to show up. Interesting. Yeah. That's a very weird prerequisite. Yeah. So, <laughs> so essentially, when you go out, you can find this like array system that shows you a future where you go out during glow and eventually you go out and you find this faceless but it doesn't attack you and you basically just huff a bunch of spores and then you're you're while you're staring at the wormhole your mind or your soul like transcends time and that is the canonical ending quote-unquote well it's canonically what causes the game to exist the first ending that is canonically the thing that happened in the first timeline that is that is the thing that happens that causes everything else to happen the way it does Mm -hmm. because effectively your character gets stressed across she gets stretched across both existence and non-existence yeah to where you perceive everything all, all at once and so, like, that's why your character lives many, many, many lives. And, and why you get to do all these playthroughs. Yeah. <laughs> and make different choices. Which, which is, I love. I, I think this is a very interesting setup for it, right? Yeah. Like, it, it's a, I mean, it's obviously just sci-fi, but, like, I think it's very good, like, I don't want to say feasible sci-fi, because it's just, like, magic, right? Yeah. But... But it, this it makes it makes perfect sense to me with my physics knowledge and knowing what like what a wormhole is that like if it's you're a ex- puncture through space yeah. and time yeah it, it, it's pretty good I think I I actually like this a lot I think and it's, it's good. cool because a lot of this stuff is grounded enough that you feel like this could be a real thing like the whole thing where it's like the gardeners are these AI constructs meant to preserve that were built by the civilization that was here that are meant to preserve the planet as it is which is like yeah okay why well, I, I don't see why that couldn't happen you know i like there's like a um, a tinge of sadness that that is around in that ending because i rem- i don't remember the exact wording but it's something to the effect of like you know tomorrow morning everyone will find you and, oh yeah and they'll you just look, say that you, you died, died of a, glimmer yeah and they'll, you know, in this timeline, they'll continue on sad that they've lost you, but they'll continue on. But you get an opportunity that they don't have to live through these other timelines now. And it's like there's like a little bit of like, you know, you have the rare experience because of what's happened in the story to like understand the depth of everyone's loss when they find your corpse just outside the gate in the morning. And I, you know, I thought that was a really nice and a really sad touch. Yeah. On the on that ending. And it should it should be right. It's it's a it's supposed to be a very bittersweet thing. 
you know, you are essentially immortal now yep. yeah. for all, <laughs> you know, effects that that could be. You know, you you see this older, this like ancient version of yourself that is just decked out in all these like data bands that are just the the many things that happen through your many lives, which uh, is it. Oh God, it's so it's so bittersweet, and I, it's it, I just love the way they portray this sort of multi timeline construction of their universe for you know lack of a better word all right let's talk about the other special endings okay so i'm, I'm very interested interested in the depth of some of these because i've heard of some of them yeah so i'm, I'm interested in how you get them I'll, and what they mean i'll talk through a few of the ones that i got and then we can maybe get in some of the the ones that you guys didn't see so there is one ending called I think it's just called destroy the stratospheric stratospheric destroyed, which I think of all of the endings in the game requires you to jump through the most hoops. So you have to basically, you have to do the transcend time ending first. Okay. You have to befriend congruence, which enable to befriend congruence. You have to let professor Hal die interesting you have to become second engineer during one of your playthroughs okay and then when you start a new file you have to pick ship engineering manuals as your childhood gift (laughs) and you have to pick congruence as your best friend and then you are allowed to go to the ship uh to the shield array and you can just turn the shields off. And the stratosphere blows up when it tries to go through the wormhole. <sighs> and you kill everybody. <laughs> Ten-year-old ten you just, like, shows up to the I, old you. I don't you. feel like it this time. Yeah. <laughs> Ten-year-old... <laughs> Ten-year-old you shows up to ancient you, and ancient you's like, "What? The, why?" <laughs> no, so here's the, here's the best part. Here's the best part is after. So you do you do the destroy the stratospheric ending, and then the game ends, obviously. Yeah. And then you go start a new life, and it's like, "Yep, you're on Earth. Everything fucking sucks." <laughs> <laughs> and ancient you shows up and is like, "I thought this is what you wanted. <laughs> you." You blew up the wormhole. The wormhole is gone. That's amazing. And you're like, well, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. I thought it it was all going to be cool. No, your life is just horrible. And you live on Earth in this commune where you get attacked all the time. And everyone you know and love keeps dying because it's just constant war. And you're like, please let me go back to the fun, silly wormhole times. It's like, all right. I guess, I guess I'll give you this one <laughs> mulligan to do things right this time. That's so good. So it takes That's a lot. Of, so good. It takes a lot of work to do that. I think it took me like three playthroughs to do all the prerequisites, but it was, it was worth it because I got the whole lore. I got so I got to learn so much more about the 
the earth as it was when we left it, which was really cool. So I actually felt super rewarded for going, taking the effort and spending all this time. And I got to a lot, I got to know more about tangent. I got to know more about the plague that they were working on to like eradicate all the alien life on Vertumna. It was really, really cool. And I'm glad I did it. It's one of those things where it's like, it could have been super lame. It could have been like, oh, I have to like do all these arbitrary things. But the nice thing about this game is in your multiple playthroughs, there will be points where it's like, oh, I've seen this dialogue before, so I can kind of just skip through it. I don't have to like read super carefully on everything. You know, you kind of get a feeling for when the new things are happening versus the things that you can kind of just skip over, which is, I really appreciate. I have a question. Is there a special ending, ending for if you just pick all the dilution options? I don't think so. No, oh, that sucks. Not that for... I don't think there's one for like that specifically. There is... There are benefits. So if you don't get the transcend time ending, one of the other things you can do is just pick a bunch of wormhole options, which are basically the things that are end up giving you delusions. So that's sort of the benefit of that. I think the main... You know, the main thing for the delusions is that you there are like wild cards in the early game which is a big plus and like negative one is actually like a really good way to build a straight and when all of your cards are zero ones and twos the other main special ending i got was disabling the array which involves going into the swamps Finding the array in the swamps that control that helps control the AI. Oh, there's an array in the swamp. Mm-hmm. I didn't know there that. is. Yep. You have to go back there twice because ah. the first time you go, it the event that is in that place is I think like a manticore. It's like yeah. the special yeah. manticore. Yeah. And it, then the second time you go back, you find the array. You see, I just didn't want to fucking spend any more time with base after the first time. And uh, <laughs> well, so I, I literally did a playthrough. I was like, all right, on this playthrough, I'm gonna like do horrible things to the planet and like, uh, I was like i'm just gonna accept that like part of this playthrough is i'm gonna do i'm gonna be a bad person because mm-hmm. i didn't learn anything from undertale <laughs> <laughs> so essentially you find the array you go back and you're like hey i need you guys to make a payload like program a code that will just s- cause this thing to self-destruct and you the, you struggle to put the payload in but you get it in and then essentially it disables all of the all the gardeners Uh... so the glow attacks stop because there's nothing anymore to agitate the animals to attack the colony which is it's weird in a way because that is in theory a good ending for the colony Uh, and it's kind of like a neutral ending for the planet. Yeah. Like if in the scope, if you don't know about all the humans that are also coming from earth, you, you know, it's just one colony of humans. It's probably going to be fine for them to live as long as they're living smart along all this like alien flora, fauna, animals in quotes. Which by the way, like, (sighs) The thing that annoys me most about the Helios people coming and the state in which the stratospheric crew is, is like when you're learning about Earth history as a stratospheric colonist, it's like 
yeah, colonizing's pretty bad, which Cal calls out as like, that's what we're doing. Yeah. And capitalism bad. Yep. And like you learn all these things, and then like the people in the stratospheric aren't willing to fight the people on the Helios harder about just like genociding everything and doing exactly what the whole colony and the children on the colony are taught are bad. Yeah. Well, the that is one of the endings is genociding everything. The yeah. Helios people are the only armed ones. Yeah, it's, like you, your guys have tasers. Yeah, and the Helios people. Have, have guns. The Helios people have so much weaponry that it, it just dwarfs you. Yeah. Right? They literally let two faceless into the colony and blow just blow them yeah. up. Yeah. I it's just frustrating. I wish I wish that I, I'm just I'm I'm salty that my very combat focused build didn't allow me to fight them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean well, like, you, that's I like get that. The, <laughs> Most of the combat stuff is meant to be done in the swamps. Yeah. It's meant to be your tag teaming with Vase to be like the most heroic. Now there, so there is an ending where you do genocide all the life on the planet, and that's the one where you assist Tangent. Where you help Tangent and then don't convince her to yeah. stop. So whenever you get one of those things that's like plus one to Tangent's cure, that's like what she's working towards. Uh oh. Yeah. yeah I always when, when assumed, it says helped tangent. I was like, that's what you're helping. Whenever I uh, did that, I was just, I just assumed it was for glimmer. Yeah. Nope. And I eventually cured the glimmer. The glimmer cure is. The glimmer cure thing. is. It's yeah. just called the glimmer points. cure. Yeah. Yep. Now, something I do really like. I really, I'm so glad this is a thing they put in the game. Is there are specific things that once you do them for the first time, you don't really have to do them again. Like after you've cured the glimmer. The first time in your subsequent playthroughs, you can basically just walk into the lab and it's like, you just like, oh, how do we cure the glimmer? I don't know, guys. Maybe we just try sunlight. And it takes you like one, oh, one, nice. one month that's in Senegal. Thank, thank God. Uh, when After you eat the, the like crazy beans that drives up everyone's like uh, testosterone and, and estrogen levels. Everybody goes. And everyone goes like crazy. hormone crazy. The next the next playthrough, you can be like, hey, we shouldn't eat these beans. And then they do some research, and they're like, yeah, it's a good thing we didn't eat these beans. And you get like plus three colony food from that because they don't yes. cultivate the crop. Yes, thank – I did that on my second playthrough, and that is like single-handedly doing that is what caused my mom to not die. Yeah. Like, so Jesus. I really I – really, I'm glad that the, the time stuff is not just a – I know what options to pick or like I'm going to do things a little differently this time. There actually are like these very tangential benefits to if you were successful before, then it is easier to be successful again. But also if there are reasons why you don't want to be successful, then it's, it's easy to find those no, no, no. routes. Tangents benefit is I'm going out. to do unspeakable things. <laughs> One thing I, I really like about the secret endings, I've noticed as you, just as you've been reading them, is it is very easy to pick out, and they're not like super heavy-handed with it, but it's very easy to pick out what things you need to go check out on subsequent playthroughs. Yeah, because I remember when I did for my for my first playthrough, there was like we like basically the colony before the Helios arrived starved to death, right? And on the second playthrough, I told you I was going to go check out two things. I was like, I need to go check out the valley where all that food is 
the because I missed the I missed an event that intrigued me that was the sponge grass stuff. Yeah, and then the other thing I told you I was going to go check out was the the what are the what's the word that they call it the alien the something domain convergent domain yeah the convergent domain the other thing i told you i was going to check out was the convergent domain stuff and i i checked it turns out i didn't have enough stats for any of the convergent domain stuff but both of those things ended up being very important and they convey really well what things are like you know there's like something important about this yeah like maybe if you had like a little bit of a different build this could this could be something really important yep um, because it turns out both of those things were like the key to something really important that I missed on my first pers- on my first playthrough. So the other two secret endings that we'll touch on, I guess maybe three. Two of them are like very closely related. Where one of them is just run away, you just run away from the colony, and the other one is you join the gardeners. Both of you, both of them require you to have good relationships with Dis. Joining the Gardeners requires you to have a good relationship with Sim as well. How do you get a good relationship with Sim? Do you have to flirt with him? You give him stuff and you flirt just, with him. You give him stuff and flirt with him. Yeah, you go out exploring a lot and you give him anything. Now, the 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 other thing about the interesting thing about Sim is, as opposed to most of the other characters in the game, Sim's friendship meter goes up in chunks rather than like bit by bit you'll get like plus like 10 i don't remember if it's 10 or 20 but you get like plus 10 or plus 20 and really it's like you get you give them things and you you flirt with them a little bit you basically they will divulge information about the planet and then they will go tell you to meet them somewhere else and then when you go meet them elsewhere they you get, bump a t- up. you get a 10 get chunk. A, yeah, you get a 10 or a 20 chunk. My, my, my second playthrough, Sim fucking died. Um, what? How? What? Yeah. Uh, so I I was just doing some screwing around exploring towards the end of my playthrough. And uh, in that end of the playthrough, uh, I went to like the second place you can explore. And Sim was fighting two manticores. And you can just not you, help. I well, I did. I did help. I I helped, and then more manticores showed up, and so Sims like just run away, and then uh, you run away, and Sim like drags another manticore down a cliff with him and dies. That's crazy. Yeah, it's I had, wild. My first playthrough, I had combat a hundred, and I had like six copies of fucking winning the strength competition. Yeah. yeah. So like I just was like I'm gonna fight everything. So that is insane. I didn't even. That's, that's well. I really won the cool. Combat. I had I that combat. I had that scene, but then after they jump off the cliff, they just like appear like ten seconds. Yeah, later. I was They're gonna like, say I thought they would be fine, but they never showed up again. Oh I'm, no, they were there. I was in a scene where they were fighting like the flying things in the ridge, oh. and one of them like picked them picked the them up. Squids? and like, yeah, yeah, that was the one I got with him fighting. Uh, he never fought Manticores, or at least I never saw him fight Manticores. That's really cool. That's so cool. And so the last the last ending, which is like more of an extension of the career endings, is you can just negotiate peace between the humans and the Xenos. Oh, really? Yeah. If, you're, if your friendship with Sim is high enough and you 
do a couple of like specific things. Then during the glow in the last year, you can do three subsequent challenges where you try you broker peace between the Xenos and the humans. I want to try and get that ending. That sounds really neat. So that's kind of the gist of most of the, there are a few others where it's like colony destroyed or whatever, but I mean that, that can happen in a number of ways. So, but I, I, I really, I really appreciate, I think the biggest thing I like about this game is how well-rounded it is and how much it does reward you for doing multiple playthroughs, which is something that narrative games can so rarely accomplish. And it was one of the main reasons why I wanted to cover this game for the podcast was because I really liked the world building. I really liked a lot of the theming and the messaging. And I really liked that they were able to successfully pull off a game where they were like, we're going to do multiple playthroughs of this. You ha- it is We are encouraging you as a player to do this and we will reward you for doing so. I also really like that there's just like ways to track things you've done and like that you remember stuff because like all that stuff is really annoying in multiple playthrough games. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed this. This was really good. Yeah. I really enjoyed my time with the game. I enjoyed first playthrough a lot more. I would say if you haven't played this game already for some reason and you've listened to this whole thing, definitely take things a little riskier in your playthrough. Definitely be a little bit more daring, a little bit more experience-seeking. Uh, You're going to end up having a much more fulfilling experience. This is a game where you want to fuck around and find out. Yeah, a lot like Disco Elysium in that sense. Um, I think you compared it to in that way to me. When you, where you were like, yeah, just do stuff. You're like, don't don't save scum because you want to actually experience things the way the writers intended. Yeah, you know, you were like, oh, I have to save my mom. I have to save my mom. It's like, Look, yeah, just man, relax. It's it. This is a hor- This is a planet where horrible things are going to happen because you're living. You are literally people on a world just trying to figure out how the hell things work. Bad things are going to happen. It is inevitable. Towards towards like the back half of playthrough one was when that really, your words really kind of sunk in with me to just like really just let it ride. Well, um, and it was, it, it was very rewarding. Well, cause the other thing is like, you're a kid, you're supposed to be stupid and terrible at things. Like how in the world is a, a 14 year old going to figure out how to not get enough food for all the people in the colony <laughs> to have enough to eat. By having enough, um, sci- by having enough life science skills, and then going to the valley, and then finding the sponge yeah. grass, and then you harvest it. And <laughs> but you're not gonna like, that- you're not gonna figure that out the first time you do it. You're right. right. I didn't. I had to yeah. come back. <laughs> you have to like, you have to have multiple playthroughs or multiple life experiences of the situation to figure it out and put it together perfectly, which I like. And like one other thing I want to touch on is like I really like the deck building aspect of this game, insofar as you start as like this like shitty kid who's not good at things (laughs) but the things you're trying to do are also not that hard right yeah oh i'm trying to learn about humanity as i'm just like reading books and stuff that's not that hard but then like as you grow up and you get better at doing things the things you're doing also get harder i don't know that's like a very simple like concept as far as like game design right but it works really well in tandem with the concept of a sort of coming of age narrative. And I really, I really like how they use the deck building aspect, even if it's not perfect. I really like how they used it to weave you getting a better understanding of how your character is good or bad at things. Yeah. It was really nice. 
I could have taken or left the the deck building specifically, but that was a really cool that was a really cool aspect of that system where it's like if you're fighting an alien monster, the memory of or the lessons you learned from crawling as a child <laughs> probably not going to be very helpful. The lessons you learned when you and Nemi beat the shit out of each other for days on end, that's probably very helpful. And like it, you know, it correlates as such. Yeah. Well, that's going to be it for I Was a Teenage Exocolonist. Any closing thoughts, fellas? Definitely deserved the Games for Impact nomination. Uh, Might have deserved a win, but we haven't. We're going to play. We have a few other games from that list that we're going to be playing. What, what won that year? Uh, Stray? No, it was uh, uh, the. We're playing the game in the future. It's called uh, As Dusk Falls. Uh, we'll we'll see. Yeah, um, I don't think it deserved it, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm gonna tell everybody that the how long to beat main plus extra time, which is like 21 hours as of recording, is bullshit. That's Not so accurate. wrong. It like main plus extra of this game is playing it like maybe four or five times. It's like 10 hours just in my first playthrough, just because yeah. I was hemming and hawing <laughs> about like what to do. Yeah, and also like my first time playing through, I talked to everyone every single month and eventually i was like okay i don't need to do that. i don't need they to talk need to, to them you need to talk yeah you need to talk when they have an ellipse or when you need to give them a gift and that's yeah. like it uh definitely check out this game you can find it on steam that's currently i believe the only place you can find it next episode we're going to be talking about yakuza 7 oh, like so a excited. dragon i'm so excited it's that's we've been working on playing this game for about four months now i think it's been a long time this has been a big project and i'm so excited to talk about it but but definitely tune in because you'll that's that's gonna be an episode you're not gonna want to miss